Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is the one, the only, the very cat-looking Alex. Alex, how you doing? I'm back from Earth 8311. Happy to see this movie. <laughs> the Tabaxi universe, or is it just people oh, yeah. as animals? Is that the no? That is that the uh, Spider Ham universe? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> uh i'm doing pretty well it's a nice uh, holiday weekend well not holiday weekend but um i'm seeing indiana jones in theaters tomorrow i've never seen raiders of lost ark in jones in theaters i was actually just watching raiders uh yesterday on disney plus um i i know i have different tvs like one the one i have in the basement that's our big like movie room area that's uh, a 1080p and then uh the one we have upstairs in our bedroom that's a 4k and i can see that they do the upscaling to 4k but it's also limited to what my scar wars was about a few weeks ago because so much of the movie is done practically so it it still looks good it doesn't take you out of the moment with any bad special effects no no or weird high frame rate situations (laughs) yeah and how are you doing sir I'm doing okay. I'm sitting down. So, you know, that's, that's a, a plus for me right now. Uh, I had an outpatient surgery earlier in the week that uh, made sitting down a little uncomfortable, but I am on the mend and doing okay. You know, when you have a hangnail that bad, it can affect <laughs> so much stuff. It's true. I almost lost a leg. <laughs> Do you let it get that bad? Dear Lord. Yeah, trim once in a while trim <laughs> my left leg uh looked kind of like link's arm in uh tears of tears of the kingdom <laughs> varicose veins green and brown i was just like okay this <laughs> seems weird which actually reminds me i've recently um for the first time i've actually watched the exorcist Oh. I've never seen the original Exorcist, and I have thoughts, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> we're here this week for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Indeed we are. Um, but before we move on to that, we obviously have our, our movie promo. Uh, but I do want to take a quick moment to just shout out my Talking Lasso co-host, uh, Joey Fitzgerald. Um, Joey, again, we we got all gushy uh, when we did our recording, but again, it is just so cool to be able to do 12 weeks of an episode by episode breakdown of the last season, what I assume is the last season of Ted Lasso. So again, Joey, thank you. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso listener, please do so. And then come back for season three and come listen to us week by week as you watch each episode, because it was a lot of fun. And I feel like Joey and I had some really good conversations. We made a lot of bad predictions. We made a lot of good. Mostly bad from what I remember. Oh, yeah. I mean, this show doesn't do the things you think it's going to do. So, I mean, it. but it's fun to do predictions every now and then. I'm not one to do like hypotheticals and do clickbait bullshit, but it's always fun to project out. And boy, is Spider-Verse one to project out on. And uh, (laughs) we will dive into that as soon as we hear from our friend Justin Henson over at the Movie Wire. Alex and I will be right back to talk Spider-Verse. He's on the run from the law, falsely accused of murdering his... Wait. 
Got my scripts mixed up here. Uh, Here we go. This makes more sense. The Movie Wire Podcast with host Justin Henson. Hear Justin's movie verdict wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in to the Movie Wire today. And we are back. And who, man, Into the Spider-Verse. This is probably (laughs) my most anticipated movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess makes it now my most anticipated movie of 2024. Oh yeah. <laughs> Got that little teaser all the way at the end of the credits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll get into like criticisms and other things. Um, but overall, Alex, what did you think of the movie? We'll go non-spoilers. Uh, we usually do spo- spoilers out of the gate, but let's try and do non-spoilers from the get go here. So I have this issue with um, the first movie into the Spider-Verse and also the Lego movie where their choice of animation style um, trips my head up a little bit. Like the Lego movie, because it's so just crystal clear and almost photorealistic at times, especially when they do go realistic. I actually got a headache like 30 minutes into the movie because the like choosing to do stop motion, but that smoothness was just gave me a headache in the first Spider-Verse movie because of the clarity. And then the, the dots were that, you know, you can see like almost like the ink injection for, mm-hmm. they really made it look like a comic book. It was messing with my eyes a bit like that. And I started getting a headache deeper into that movie, but I super enjoyed it. I, I just can't really revisit it because it literally hurts my head, <laughs> but I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the story. Some of it was, you know, a little, a little bland, but I really liked it. And so I went into this movie hoping it would be better than the first one. And in many respects, it is. The trailers hide a ton of stuff, which I super respect. Because Marvel and Sony, depending on how they're treating Spider-Man or their own stuff, tend to give a lot away. This movie, I felt like, especially the first 20 minutes, was like, okay... This is interesting. This is where we're going. Um, And then it just kept building. And I enjoyed it. I just don't know if I can enjoy it without knowing there's a sequel. And what that sequel holds for me. Yeah, fully, fully understand and definitely agree with that last bit. Um, I, I really enjoyed this movie and we'll get into it more when we get into spoilers. But um I, like you said, I don't think I can enjoy this movie in and of itself because it leads into a part two. And for anyone who has seen like Pirates of the Caribbean two and three, you know exactly what I'm saying here when I say it's a part one of two. This this may even be a little bit more egregious than other part ones of two, like Matrix Reloaded into Matrix Revolutions and stuff like that. This one, it wants to be Infinity War, but it doesn't give us that whole story and it just leaves off on a cliffhanger as if that's enough to get us to come back, which I mean, it is because we enjoy these movies. They're done really well. The directing is on point. The script writing is on point. The animation is gorgeous. And each I would, I would see any of these universes movies if they made a standalone movie for any of them. Oh, they, they all just look fantastic. And it, it's just, it's a gorgeous movie. It's fantastic. It'll probably win best animated feature. I, I think the big question for me out of anything for the success of this movie is, do you think it'll beat Mario's box office take? Do you think it'll crack that billion dollar mark? No, 
this movie would have to be exceptionally overperform. We were talking a few days ago, and I was not that shocked, but I know you were when it was a sub $400 million movie, the first one. So this one would have to just super, super outgross it, outgross the process. So you're talking like, you know, 2.5 times. But that being said, it is so solid. Um, Miles Morales is still very engaging. The Gwen Stacy, they, they give so much attention and focus to Gwen Stacy. And the, it's not really a spoiler because the movie starts off, but the first 20 minutes are about what she's been up to. And what she's doing and her struggles coming back into her own world. And that's just in her relationship with her father. And it's so wonderfully done. And then the, of course you saw, you know, we, in the trailer show that there's hundreds of Spider-Man and we spend a, a fairly large portion with quite a few. And one of them is Spider-Punk who. I, I love it. I got just enough of that Spider Punk. Yep, voiced by Daniel Kaluuya, and uh, yeah, he he was just fantastic in the role. Yeah. Hit, hit the animation around him that was like that looks like a seventy or eighties guitar magazine comic, like just clipping and stuff like that. The the the, the, uh, the uh, just it was so well it was so well done, and you're really invested in the world and what they do with the main with the main antagonist of spot i was just like the second he was on screen i was like there's no way they could do this in live action that there's just no way they could treat this character with the innovative innovativeness of the fights and the dialogue and the movement they it can't be captured there, there is a reason why animation is an important medium and i was reading this book once where they were talking about like if you're wanting to do an animated show versus a live action show, what specifically do you need out of an animated show? Not that you know the characters are static, so you know we don't have the trouble, you know, the problem with aging child actors or anything like that. But that aside, what makes animation needed for something? And the character of Spot, I think, is a testament to why it can only be done in animation. This, the ingeniousness of the movements, the bending of physics and reality, the way the characters flow and move around each other when Spot is either just walking or running. And you can't say that like, oh, well, we've, we've seen Rorschach from The Watchmen in live action like twice. No, 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 no. That, it is not done like that. I mean, that's impressed the way they did his mask. That's fine. Yeah, uh, Spot was a highlight for me. I had seen that uh, that initial robbery scene on Twitter a couple of days beforehand. They uh, Sony had released the scene. It cut out right when it, Miles acts like, "Why do they? Why do you call it an ATM machine? Machine is in the name." But the the introduction to Spot is fantastic, where he's like trying to justify his actions. He's like, "I'm really robbing the bank and not robbing you." And the guy's like, "No, you're robbing me." <laughs> but it, everything is so on point. It feels like Spider Man the the villain is great it's it's a it's an, an out of nowhere villain because spot is uh largely unknown and like d tier villain which i think they build him up really well in this movie you he's just this goofy guy who doesn't know how to use his powers at first uh but he gets that uh making a bad comparison here but he gets that amazing spider-man 2 electro syndrome where <laughs> spider-man kind of like rejects him in a way he's like oh you're you're just you're just another like villain of the day or villain of the week kind of guy. And he, he takes offense to it and he, he builds up his power supply. 
or levels up it as they say in the movie but overall yeah it's just it was so good and it spot fits into what they do with the animation in these movies so well i don't know what else they could do but one of the things they set up in this movie which again it's in the first 20 minutes so it's not a huge spoiler is uh we're 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 in Gwen's universe. Uh, I think it's Earth 65, which looks it looks like it's straight out of the Jason Latour comics. It, it's it's fantastic. I, I loved being in that world. She hears she and her dad both hear that uh, there's a, a supervillain heist going on at the, the Guggenheim Museum and it's the vultures. So they're, they're prepared for the vulture. And then lo and behold, there's a vulture, but it's not their vulture. He, he is a guy who looks like he's made out of parchment. And mm-hmm. uh, that that's kind of the crux of the whole story is that there are uh leaks happening throughout the multiverse and uh bad guys or other people are getting sucked in and out creating continuity errors i I thought that was a really cool idea uh we'll get into it a little bit more here in just a moment a lot of our complaints that we're going to have here i think are more story related than they are visuals so we'll, we'll get into that but um we'll do our talking smack rating which i i think this is a must see uh, it's definitely yeah it's a part one of two so i mean you kind of have to see it to get the next one but you're still there for the spectacle of the thing and also for the writing and it's all there the only issue i really have with it is it's a part one of two which i will get more into here in spoilers yeah no it's a must see there's there's no question about it and yeah Go see it. It's 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 lovely. It's doing very well at the box office for you know early numbers are fantastic. I believe and it's actually set to be the highest grossing three day weekend of the year so far. Um, I know Mario hit like two hundred and four million through a like five day release window because they released on a Wednesday and then they had Easter weekend, so they had the following Monday uh, to hit that two hundred and four million mark. Uh, but Spider Verse I think is on track right now for like one hundred and thirteen to one hundred and thirty. Ooh. Very nice. Which, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that's going to be the biggest opening so far this year. Yeah. To really quickly follow up on that question that I asked you, though, um, I, I agree. I don't know that it'll crack that billion dollar mark unless people are really going back to see it. Uh, but at two hours and 20 minutes, I don't know how many families are going to be going back to see it. Uh, the runtime really just hurts it because you're not getting as many screenings because Mario was a really tight 90 minutes. It was mm-hmm. fun. Told a complete story where this is an extra, almost an extra hour of showtime. And it's basically just a big teaser to get to the next one. Makes sense. So I don't, I, I think it'll probably crack like maybe 800 million, if not 900, but I think it'll fall short of that billion dollar point. Yeah, I can see that. So here's your spoiler warning. Bam, 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 bam. Spoiler time. I'm going to su- summarize this the way Ricky did. Uh, we got in the car and she's like, how did they tell so much story and yet accomplish nothing? <laughs> Which like, that's, that's a, a real big generalization because there is at least one plot line that is concluded and that's Gwen and her dad, but everything else is just, it's all a slow burn for this big setup for uh, a cliffhanger ending. I loved seeing there's so many different of the Spider-Man and especially getting invested t- time with them. Like um, the Spider-Woman played by Issa Rae, um, you know, showing up on a motorcycle while pregnant. It was just fantastic. The little different holograms, the time they spent with, with Spider-Man India, who was played by uh, Karen Sony, who is 
I, Dupinder. I don't know. Dupinder. Yeah, it took me a little bit. I'm yeah. like, uh, Pavitra pa- Prabha- Prabhaharkar. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he is so charismatic. And like, oh, you yeah. hear it when he's being Dopinder in Deadpool. Um, but like, it just comes out at like at 11 in this one. Like, there's a great moment where uh, he's talking about how he's going to have chai with his his auntie and miles interjects like oh i love chai tea and he's like what did you say and it's in one of those like inflections where it's like are we going to be best friends right now and then he's like chai literally means tea you're just saying tea tea come on man <laughs> which was a great callback to the atm machine joke yep and then they brought it back one more time uh, towards the end because he says uh someone says like non-bread and he's like mm. non means bread <laughs> my biggest script in this movie is that Movies do not understand why Empire Strikes Back works. So many movies think they can do a part, a, a slight downer part two with an unresolved cliffhanger because Return of the Jedi. But that was three years later. And also, it wasn't guaranteed that there would be a Return of the Jedi because Lucas was financing that one all his own. He had to see if there was an interest. And he wrote it to wrap up the movie, but leave a few hanging threads. Yeah, he wanted to merchandise for for books and also merchandising. (laughs) Exactly. And so that's why The Empire Strikes Back tells a complete story. The rebels are, you know, the, the rebels are still fighting. Luke needs to learn. Luke goes to learn. He starts um he starts developing his powers. People some people are on the run. Yes, Han Han is captured. Yeah, Lando Calrissian for some reason steals his clothes in the Falcon. We don't know why that was that was done. But the heroes of the the main hero of the movie is free at the end, and he's fine. He just has more work to do. It told a story. There was a beginning, middle, and end. There's no if we didn't get Return of the Jedi, I'd be like, man, you know, we make. Do you think they ever went and got? Yeah, they went and got back Han. But there's no like. Do you think they ever defeated the Empire? It's like we don't we don't know we don't particularly care we have a satisfying resolution this movie ends with the downer ending and the whole kind of like hopeful like well we're gonna figure this out but it doesn't work without needing that immediate next movie you're not gonna just turn it off yeah and i think I think maybe Infinity War might be a better example because it's the whole superhero thing. But I mean, Star Wars is a little bit of superhero, um, more space wizards. Even Infinity War tells a complete story because Infinity War is Thanos's story and Thanos completes his goal. And then our the heroes that we have watched for 10 years are left in the lurch. But the the only thing left at the end of Infinity War is how do they how do they come back from this? Yeah. It's not, how do they get out of this? And you'd referenced it earlier, but basically they pull a Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. 2. Yeah, almost exactly, actually. Because, you know, since we're in spoilers, uh, Miles is captured by himself, <laughs> which is, that was a great twist. I knew something was, oh man, I knew something was wrong. And I'm like, this is, something's off, something's off, something's off, something's off. <laughs> Yeah, so so Miles gets sent back to Earth 42 because the main crux of the story uh, that happens like towards the end of Act 2 is that it's revealed that Miles is a mistake. 
complete full stop. He shouldn't exist as a Spider-Man. Uh, his Peter Parker who died in into the spider verse should have survived, but because miles got bit by a spider who was sent in through the, uh, the multiverse collider, whatever from the first movie bit him. And it like created a, a ripple effect where that P that Spider-Man had to die and miles had to take over, which I think that's a bit of a continuity thing. And I think that might come back into part two beyond the, the spider verse. Um, but because miles, and they they had this adventure that led to another collider being built. I forget what it, what it's called. Um, the multiverse MacGuffin. It it created potholes essentially in the multiverse, and villains and other characters are falling through into universes they shouldn't see. The spider that bit Miles is from Earth forty two, and so when Miles is trying to get back home from that spider hub that we see in the trailers, uh, they have a machine called the Go Home Machine that sends continuity errors back to their original universe and the the go home machine reads the dna the dna says oh miles is from earth 42 because of the spider bite so that sends it back to earth 42 and that's where we get our cliffhanger because miles is now trapped in that universe and he's also glitching which i think it's more interesting if miles can exist in both universes like i know there's already a miles in 42 but if the go home machine recognizes his DNA as from earth 42, he should be able to exist because yeah. if his DNA, like it, it's a whole thing. If his DNA is from earth 42, but he's not glitching in 1610, he shouldn't glitch in 42 either. Yeah, that was weird. That is basically the end, which is he's captured by himself because himself in that world, which I find that fascinating that in his world, because there is no Spider-Man in that world, Miles Morales for that world turned into the Prowler with his uncle as like his lackey. And it's all because his father died in some manner. Yeah. I would say probably more uncle Aaron is, um, is more his handler, maybe not his lackey. Yeah. But he's, but Miles is the Prowler, you know, he's the big bad. Yeah. He, he's a big yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so they capture Miles, Spider-Man Miles. Miles is already working on a way to get out. But then Gwen reunites the band from the first movie and they're all ready to uh, go find him. He's somewhere. We'll, we'll rescue him kind of thing. And that's, it's over, you know, just like pirate. It's, it's pirates. It's, it's yeah. pirates matrix. The main, your main guy you're following is, is dead, captured, whatever. The band is going to do something, but it's unfulfilling without the third. Yep. And I was, I was really hoping that like they would resolve at least the Miguel O'Hara storyline mm -hmm. because the way this movie and now part two beyond the spider verse is structured is the spot is our ticking clock. He's not necessarily the bad guy. He's got the motivation to end like the multiverse, but he's not really the bad guy. He's the obstacle. The bad guy is Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. He's the one who he's refusing to let Mi miles join the uh, spider club because he views him as a mistake and he's creating all these continuity errors, which like, that's kind of a weird, we're just saying this happens because we need some kind of justification for what they're doing. A certain Canon Spider-Man event doesn't happen. Like a George Stacy doesn't die. A Gwen Stacy doesn't die. Then the entire Canon is thrown off because Spider-Man needs these certain events to happen to be Spider-Man. I, I, I don't fully like it, but I think that could also be where they're going with part two is that because miles is not Peter, he is a different Spider-Man. 
Um, he's not even like an alternate Peter, like Spider-Man India. He has his own destiny. He doesn't need a, a police captain to die. He doesn't need other events to happen. Like he's already lost his uncle. Who knows what else is going to happen? But uh, I, I think there's going to be some justification that Miles is going to be able to save everyone, namely his dad in this case, because his dad's about to get promoted. And that's the his motivation for trying to get home. Since we, we, we do know that the the keeper of the cannon, which I did like that joke, uh, Miguel was explaining it all that, you know, there's these infinite webs of you know, the web of, and all Spider-Men are created from like multiple tragedies. And Miles goes, oh, it's a Spider-Verse. He's like, no, that's a stupid <laughs> name. It's the arachnid multi something, which is also a stupid name. <laughs> yeah. But do you think it's going to actually be secretly revealed that Miguel is actually not Spider-Man, but Moon Knight? That's that's an interesting question. I haven't heard that one. Or Apocalypse? <laughs> no, I see what you're doing there. Okay, I caught on now. So I had, be... <laughs> had to. It's Oscar Isaac. <laughs> yeah. He, he does a lot of Marvel stuff. But yeah, overall, it, it just... It's unsatisfying to have this incomplete story and just wait for the part two. That's going to be another two hours and 15, 22 hours and 40 minutes. God knows how long this also now has the record for longest animated feature, uh, American made animated feature. It beat a, a 2016 movie. I forget the name of it by four minutes. But yeah, overall, like it's it's everything you want from a Spider-Man movie from a Spider-Verse movie after the first one. It just it's not a satisfying ending in my opinion. And I'm, I'm sure there are people who love this movie and they're like, yeah, I can't wait for the next one because it's going to be even better. We're going to see all this other crazy stuff. And I'm like, I'm, I'm right there with you, but to be a good movie, it needs to be able to stand alone on its own. I shouldn't have to watch across the spider verse, beyond the spider verse in one sitting to be able to really enjoy it. So what I find interesting about this is that when I'm thinking about movies that end in cliffhanger ways like this, um, I typically watch the third one and I just avoid the second. I will watch the third Pirates of the Caribbean because it is such that amazing dark scene of the whole, like um, all the hangings going on for piracy, which is just like really creepy. And then there's a bunch of other good stuff in, in that movie. Of course, the end battle is one of the most beautiful shot explosions of all time. Then you're looking at uh, Matrix Reloaded, I mean, or Revolutions, whatever. And I immediately jump to that one because it's like, okay, I know all the baggage is there. I want to see the resolution, the baggage. I'm going to see the hope that comes out of it. So I do wonder if I'm going to revisit this one. If I do revisit this one, I will probably do it because of the first 20 minutes with Gwen. The Da Vinci yes. Vulture is beautiful. It's lovely done. The introduction of Miss uh, of Spider Woman of this of Miguel, that drum opening sequence over the titles of her hmm. going of her repeating, but we're alone is so well done. Haley Seinfeld just sold that. I love that. It, it was because that is something that Stanley and Ditko created with Spider-Man is that they didn't want another adult. They wanted a teenager. They wanted a teenager struggling to make ends, you know, meet, struggling to make ends meet, raised as an orphan by his loving family, but he is forced to be alone, which is something the first Spider-Man, which um, we McGuire did so well, losing Uncle Ben, and then we have Aunt May. And at the end of it, he can't be with Gwen because, he, I mean, not with Gwen, with Mary Jane, because he believes he has to be alone. He has to endure this alone, which Andrew Garfield kind of did, but I, I just didn't like the humor of those much. 
they're kind of touching on a little bit with with Marvel's Spider-Man. And I'm hoping in the fourth one that we actually really get that, that Peter doesn't have a security net. Peter's thing is almost always in the comics and stuff like that is that he is perpetually beleaguered because he's taken on too much because he feels he has this responsibility because of the guilt of uncle Ben, because of the guilt of the position he's placing his aunt May in. Like I, I love Spider-Man two. Peter's earning a little bit of money, but aunt May is having trouble making ends meet and they're at the bank and she's just trying to open up a savings like account for like a loan or something like that. And then they, you know, okay, well we came in, don't we get the free toaster? (laughs) And at the end of it, she has to sell the house. You know, they're selling the house and she's moving into a smart place. Those are the little things that Sam Remy was so good at is like Peter is always, always going to suffer because of who he is. And those that 20 minutes with Gwen, oh, was like, I want to follow this spider Gwen anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And if if you like that, um, I would say check out the the initial run of Spider Gwen comics because it's it's almost verbatim from from that series. I I, I really loved it. Uh, the art looks like it's straight from the Jason Latour run. It, it's gotten a little weird since then. Um, change once they changed it from the the title of it to Spider Gwen to Ghost Spider. I think the the quality kind of dipped. Um, but Overall, the the Spider-Gwen run of comics is really good. And if you enjoyed this first 20 minutes, I would strongly recommend checking out those comics. Speaking of Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, I loved her introduction. Miguel kind of trying to handle the the Da Vinci vulture on his own with Gwen kind of trying to help. And then uh, his little assistant trying virtual assistant, I forget her name, like Lenny or Letty or something. Mm -hmm. Um, She is like, I'm going to call her in. I'm going to call her in. He's like, don't do it. Don't you do it. Like I'm calling her. And then she just comes in on the motorcycle, shooting webs out of her fingers. I, I loved Gwen's response to her too, where she's like, oh yeah, we're pregnant. My husband's a little corny, so we don't know the sex yet. And she's like, will you adopt me? <laughs> yeah, that was so good. I, I love that because it, it just shows how, how much she's looking for a role model, but also like how cool she immediately finds Jessica. Um, but I didn't like that once that sequence was done, she basically just turned into, you have one more chance henchman. Yeah, she, she's the lieutenant to the big bad. And she's like, you have one more chance. I, I can't I can't keep saving your butt. And that's all she became by the the middle of the movie. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the scene uh, when Gwen and Miles pre-met up and they were just they're swinging through town together, which is just another one that I just don't think would go work well in live action that because. Uh, we both played the you know, the Sony Spider-Man game. They, they capture the the webbing so you know how you web and swing so well, and the different personality you can make you can encapsulate in that. And seeing their two different like flying styles, which is yeah. so well done. So this movie did have just emotional beats that worked, but it, it is I, I will kind of agree with what Ricky said, which is that in two and a half hours, the story is just really really simple. Miles is a mistake. And they're going to try to keep my, they're going to try to make sure that Miles' father dies. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of action. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of beauty, but that's it. Yeah. It, it there, there's a lot of, I don't want to say there's no substance to it because it's, it's building up to something and it, it's, it's clearly got this like, parental trust with teenager trust kind of subplot going on 
where parents need to learn how to adjust as kids become older and give them a bit more trust and freedom. But also kids need to understand where the parents are coming from because they have life experience and it kind of gets muddied once you get to the point where Miles is running away from the the spider club. Speaking of the the Miles and Gwen thing, I really in the first movie, they completely did away with a, a romantic subplot between Miles and Gwen, which I think worked wonderfully because Gwen just wanted a friend. She yep. she didn't need a romantic interest. The idea of an interdimensional relationship makes no sense anyway. They also only knew each other for like 48 hours. So like, just don't do it. But in the like what we were told, it's like 14 to 16 months since the, the previous movie. I mean, I understand like the he's forlorn for Gwen because she's pretty and she's a spider person and someone who knows the real him. So like I understand that, you know, you could romanticize about her and he he's kind of become a little bit uh obsessed is not the right word but infatuated i guess maybe and he's clearly trying to make a move on her as they they have a little heart to heart moment and gwen's kind of rebuffing it but you know you can tell there's something there that's more than just friendship and i didn't like that they retconned that see i i'm i'm a little confused by that part because hobie comes in hobie confirms like four things one that's like his jacket or something like um, two. Those are his uh, those are his chucks that she's wearing now instead of having the little ballet slippers. She confirms that she spends a lot of time hanging in his dimension. And then four. <laughs> I, I love the ballet flats. I really I wish do. they didn't get rid of it, but I understand they need a new a new action figure for merchandising. And four, he says that you left your toothbrush at my place again. I don't think she has feelings for Miles. <laughs> I think I think she does. I think Hobie is that he's that guy that she can connect with because they're both musicians, and he has no he literally has no strings attached. He does not care. Um, yeah, they're they're connecting. <laughs> <laughs> but it, toothbrush, it's, Chuck's jacket <laughs> hanging out in his yeah. dimension a lot. But Hobie, Hobie's uh, he's he's the. Um, the friend with benefits, essentially. <laughs> okay. Um, the the spider person with benefits, uh, where Miles wants to be more than that. And I think Gwen wants to do that too, but she's too afraid to connect with people because she's known nothing but loss and she's known nothing but conflict. And the only time she's ever really made a friend since she's been a spider person is during the events of Into the Spider-Verse. And Hopi. <laughs> and, well, Yes. <laughs> But even then, like Hobie, Hobie is clearly not something she wants known. So he, he's a he's a dirty little secret. But Hobie is so damn cool. They nailed Spider-Punk like that was that was great. And I was a little disappointed that when he took off the mask, they didn't like blur it out or something because that would have been funny when they when they did the profile breakdown, he like took off the mask and like, oh, redacted. No one knows who he really is. And yeah. then he takes it off and you see his face and. Miles asks him, like, how do you look even cooler without the mask? <laughs> my my favorite thing about him is that once everything starts to go down, he's just like, yeah, I didn't want I quit anyway. And like he just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He 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 chucks off his like interdimensional non-glitchy bracelet, leaves, and at the end he's like, because he is an anarchist, because he's a nonconformist, he then of course has he made one himself. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to bring up a point that you messaged to me earlier, and I did not think about it until you pointed it out. 
Mary Jane is very fertile and willing to reconcile because in 16 months, she has a child with Peter Par- Peter B. Parker, and that child is already like 18 months old. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if Mayday is that old. Like she, she's crawling. She's not walking. But I like, I'll give leeway to this. She has spider powers. Um, she so like maybe there's some kind of accelerant going on. But she, she's at. She has to be at most like eight months old. At, at most. most. So she, she's like crawling, pulling herself up on stuff. Uh, if she were a normal child, but she is so advanced. Like she's recognizing like, Oh, there's, there's weird lights coming out of the the window, daddy. And I can web swing on my own now. And <laughs> just like, like, I, again, I, I will give some leeway, but also just like, she knows the pool on her mask when danger shows up. Yep. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, what is she now like 15 month old who probably would not be able to do that if if i had raised her that way <laughs> yeah it was it's a good movie and i really i really did enjoy it i just wish i could feel like like the tweets that the spider-verse account is retweeting every second of the day like there are some people out there that are saying like this is the best movie they've ever seen and i'm like i wish i felt that way but yeah it's it's an incomplete story, so I don't understand how you can. It it reminds me of Dune because I like Dune. It was so well done, but I am not grading Dune. I mean, I, I think we did grade it, and we get both gave we it did. Yeah, but I cannot grade it on its finality until I know what Dune Part Two is. And if Dune Part Two just craps the bed, then uh, do I think that the Beyond the Spider Verse, which is what the next one is, comes out in I think March 29th of next year? Do I think it's going to mess things up? No, not at all. But I have a year to speculate on what the resolutions of stuff is going to be. It really depends on do they hit an emotional ending that feels earned. And I really hope that emotional ending is not, oh, Gwen and Miles are together in his universe after having saved everybody because she always wears a bracelet. Like, I don't know. Because I don't necessarily want them together like you. I they were friends. Yeah, they we don't need a romantic subplot. I if if they address it and Gwen says, Hey, interdimensionally, it's not gonna work. The spider club is getting disbanded because Miguel screwed the whole thing up. Um, or maybe they just fixed the whole thing. Like, who knows? I really just I wanted a complete story because when they originally announced these sequels, they said it's across the Spider-Verse part one and part two. Then they change it to just across the Spider-Verse and beyond the Spider-Verse, which I was like, okay, maybe it's going to be like Infinity War and Endgame because they originally announced Infinity War and Endgame as Infinity War Part 1, Part 2. And again, they they told a complete story and I like drinking game every time I go back and re-listen to the episode. Every time I say complete story, you got to take a drink. But it still works on its own. I can watch Infinity War and be satisfied with that story. And then I can watch Endgame and be extraordinarily satisfied. But with this one, I have to wait an entire year before I really can watch this movie again. Because I'm I I don't have a desire to just be left hanging again. Yep. Until like a week before I go see Beyond the Spider-Verse. That's where I am. And I honestly hate saying it because I this movie is fantastic. I think it's it's very close to being great. I, if I, if I were to scale this, I would probably give it like an eight and a half out of 10. 
mm-hmm. or four out of five or three and a half out of four, if it's a movie wire type scoring, but because there is no satisfying ending, if not even just, there is no ending. I can't say it's, Oh my gosh, best thing ever. Yeah. Like when Dune comes out, um, depending on how that movie is, I will have to then go back to Dune one and, you know, and go, mm, and adjust my expectations. You know, it was very much the same when, you know, when pirates, you know, dead man's chest, whatever the third one was, when that came out, it was the same thing. And then, you know, and reloaded, I mean, sort of revolutions, matrix revolutions for a long time. I was so angry at that movie that I didn't even watch the second one or the third one at all. And over the past you know, few years, I do a yearly Matrix universe rewatch, and I've come to appreciate it. But it's still, the second one is still not a finished movie. And I still often kind of half pay attention to the second one, but actually I'm invested in the third one. And so nine, whether it's nine months or 18 months, whenever the heck did we get this next movie, it really is going to shade this one. Is it the payoff? I, is it the full payoff I need? And they're two halves of a great film or is it like eh, i don't really need the second one i'll just watch the third one because i know what's because that's where my that's where all the emotion is that's where the tie is that's where the satisfaction that's where the hope is that is where that's where the full resolution that's where is. we get resolution yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah i i just it's the the thing that i, I keep going back to like I, there, there are little things that i can nitpick but overall i, I do think it is a really good movie but because there is no, if, if nothing else, there is no satisfying ending. I I can't say I, I like it better than Into the Spider-Verse. And I can't say that I would like even the next one probably more than Into the Spider-Verse because they are two halves of one whole. And I think that is a big hindrance when it comes to storytelling. Yep. You go in, you look at Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King. Again, all fully fleshed out narratives that combine into a bigger whole. You could tell me that all three movies are the story, but each story within each chapter has its own satisfying conclusion. Yep. Two of them end with the, the characters continuing on into the next chapter of the journey. But like we said about empire strikes back, it could just be a ploy for further merchandising opportunities. And it, you could continue those stories in other mediums. But with this one, you can't continue the story any further than what the next movie brings. And we know right. it's already happening, but it doesn't mean it's the right idea and it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And I sound like I'm shitting on this movie. It's more me shitting on this concept that we've been dealing with for forever in in cinema. But it just so happens that it's in a movie that is really damn good. Yeah. And it, but it still leaves you with that sour taste in your mouth of this did not, this is, this is the steak dinner without the potatoes, the French fries, the steamed broccoli, whatever your side of choices. It's just the meat. There's no satisfying side dessert or drink to come with it. Yep. It's a damn good movie. It's, it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. (laughs) Like I, I can't, praise the visuals enough i mean no. i i did get a little motion sickness in a couple spots because they they do the perspective switch where like yeah they're dangling upside down you can see gwen's ponytail hanging up and oh my the, god the I city's got so upside nauseous. down 
it, but it is such a great shot. Like every shot in this movie, you could take, you could take every frame and just put it up in the Louvre and everyone be like, yeah, that goes here. That belongs here. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, it's good. I, I just, I, I need that my ending. Yeah. And, and I, I don't understand why that's a thing that is still happening after the shit that the matrix got the shit that pirates got this movie's not really going to get it because of how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's, I, I do think it's deserved that it should be criticized for following the same formula of it's really just one five hour long movie. Yeah. We, we just broke it up into two parts and separated it by a year. Yeah. To throw an even older reference, they they tried to back to the future this, and I'm not sure it worked. <laughs> there you go. But even even Back to the Future too told a complete story. It did, it, and left it off on a cliffhanger. Yeah, I mean they filmed Back to the Future uh, two and three. They filmed at the same time. It was all filmed at once. They released a year apart. But there's two finished scripts. Yes, and I I know you haven't seen it yet, uh, Josh, but. Avatar 2 is part one of a four-part ending. June 7th, it comes out on Disney+. Plus. I will I will be watching it at some point that before I leave for my next road trip. Yep. But I want to end on a, a, a positive note as best we can. I loved that Spot is Bagel Man. <laughs> Spot is the guy who got hit with the bagel in Into the Spider-Verse. Yep. I saw that and I saw the bagel appear and they did that backstory and I was like, Josh is going to be happy. I now, love that moment. I, if I could get a high resolution image of him getting hit and just that bagel, bagel. appearing over his head, the yeah. word bagel, not just the bagel that's hitting him. That was one of my favorite little, just like incongruities of the, that movie that just like yeah. it, it builds so much into the, the comic book stuff of it. Hey everyone, sorry for the uh, quick and rough edit here. Alex lost his internet, so uh, we're just going to wrap up the episode. Thanks, Alex. Sorry your internet crapped out on you. Um, I had that happen with my Talking Lasso episode this last week, so I feel your pain. Thanks to everyone so much for listening. If you loved Spider-Verse, if you want to tell us we're wrong, please email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at talking smack pod you can follow me at josh underscore scar you can also join our discord which the link is in the episode description you can also follow us on instagram hive news and post no post news hive social sorry thank you to leo allen for our musical themes thank you to beppo for our original avatars thank you to retro ale studios for our ricky avatar please like subscribe rate review on your podcatcher of choice and a most importantly, thanks so much for listening. Thanks again, everyone, for so much of this. This is episode 98. We've got two more episodes until we hit episode 100. Episode 100 is going to be uh, a big one for us because we're going to have as many people as we can joining us uh, that have been our regular cast of hosts. We'll be doing a Talking Smackdowns. So if you have a suggestion for Talking Smackdowns, please hashtag Talking Smackdowns, S-M-A-C-D-O-W-N-S. And email us your Smackdowns if you want to do that that way. Or you can hit us up on Discord, Instagram, all that stuff again. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Take care. Watch Star Trek.